there's a great and amazing, brilliant disconnect. Humanly speaking, between all the magnificent, magnificent things that happened around the birth of Jesus, the declaration of who he is, angelic hosts coming and singing, the great prophecies concerning him, which we heard some of, read this morning, fulfilled, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A disconnect between who we are speaking about and the presentation of him with an angelic host. Maybe tens of thousands of angels. A huge, great, brilliant display described in these words, the glory of the Lord shone around. The fulfillment of the prophecy that those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Those who sit in the shadow of death On them has the light shone. And the stark humility in which it all happened. As you walk out of the church this morning, take a look left. And there is a straight view through into our chapel, which many of you have never been in and probably have never even known about. But in that chapel, there is simply in the place of where the Lord's table was, the crib and the hay and a baby. Not a live baby, but nevertheless, a baby doll. And if you came in through the main entrance, you walked by a similar scene. A feeding trough. Hay. And a baby doll. Stark. No glitz. The great humility into which Jesus came. No room in the inn. There was room. Preoccupied room. Nobody willing to give up their space for a pregnant woman who gave birth to her child in a stable. Hence, his crib That's where we get the word crib from. His cot, his little baby bed, was the feeding trough. And the first people to get the announcement were at the very low end of the social order. Shepherds, 
Maybe a half a dozen. Maybe three or four. No great crowd of shepherds. No gathering of the shepherds' union at an international conference of shepherds. Just doing their work at night out in a field. And to them came the angelic host. And then the angel of the Lord telling them of whom they sang. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And they were the first witnesses. This magnificent presentation of the announcement. Great tidings. Good tidings. Great joy. Great exaltation. To that little group of shepherds came the news the world-changing, shattering news that a Savior had been born who was Christ the Lord. And they took off to see the baby. Let's go and see this thing that has come to pass. And they made their way from the shepherd's field into Bethlehem and found the little one. A very ordinary audience. It was later that the wise men, the kings of Orient, came and brought their gifts. That night, just the shepherds. And Jesus lived out his life with a similar kind of humility. He picked ordinary people to be with. Not the elite, not the intelligentsia, not the educated in Jerusalem, not the high and mighty and powerful. If you were God, you would not do it this way. If you were God, what would you do? How would you go about it? If you were God. Do you remember the show Donahue? I was once on that show and interviewed by Donahue and they slipped in on me, an atheist as well, and I didn't know that was coming at me. That was a great discussion for public television nationwide. I'm amazed and I'm standing here, little Johnny Guest in Sewickley, that I was sitting on the Donahue show, taking him and this atheist on. But at another show, there was a well-known, not that evening that I was there, American movie star who was being interviewed by Donahue. This movie star was an out-and-out believer. And so, in an incredulous fashion, you've got Donahue interviewing him, bringing all kinds of doubt and how can you believe this and so on. And then Donahue said this, if I were God, and he was about to say whatever he would do if he was God. And I've forgotten the name of the movie star. But he said, he cut him off. He said, Donahue, you never need worry about that. You will never be God. And that was the end of that conversation. 
If you were God, what would you do? God Almighty, would you come the way he came, live the way he lived, and die the way he died to reach people just like us? Would you do that? You dream up something so spectacular. And you see, here is the great disconnect. The great humility in which it all happened from birth and even the little maiden to whom he was given as a child in a miraculous conception born of the Holy Spirit in her womb all the way to his death on the cross between thieves, stripped naked, beaten already within an inch of his life before they even nailed him to the cross. That scene and who he was. So Jesus comes and he says, not just things that had been said, but so many others about himself. And the things he claimed are of megalomanic proportion. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, said Jesus. Who says that kind of thing? Not one other religious leader in the whole of history, in the whole of humanity, ever made those claims. Never. And so many more besides. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Who says that kind of thing? It's extraordinary. Even when he says, I am the good shepherd. He says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Do you see the immense disconnect between who he was, the glory that shone around at the announcement of his birth, And the things that were said about him and that he said about himself. And yet, the amazing humility into which he was born and the way he lived and the way he died. Do you know what that is evidence of? The reality of his claims. The reality of his claims. 
that what he said was real and true. He didn't have to be braggadocious. He was just stating the fact concerning himself and why he had come. But the humility in which it's all enacted and stated is one of the amazing evidences that Jesus was who he said he was. And here is an amazing humility in the gift of salvation. Because Jesus is the gift. We give gifts at Christmas because God gave his great gift at Christmas. Unto you is born a child, unto you a son is given. His son. The father gave his son. Jesus is the gift. And when you receive Jesus, you receive with him all that the Father wants to give you. Forgiveness of sin, because Jesus died for your sin. To have your life light up, you light up my life, was a song really about Jesus. He lights up our lives because he is the light of the world. He drives out the darkness. He is the love of the Father. God so loved the world that he gave his Son. When you see Jesus, you see the love of the Father for you in that gift. And when you receive that gift of Jesus, you receive the gift of the Father's love. It's all in Jesus. He is the gift. And again, the humility in which he comes to us Again this morning, desiring to dwell in us. I love the carol that when there was no room in the inn, there is room in my heart for you, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart, there's room in my heart for you. That that great and almighty God and Savior will come and dwell in us. In our hovels, in the miserable, derelict, abused, messed up lives that are ours. But in his coming, he transforms the hovels of our life into mansions of glory. We become a new creation. And that Jesus deigns to come and dwell in us, to light up our lives, to take away the misery and failure of our sin, the judgment of hell, the burden of guilt, and fill us with his joy. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, is come. Joy to you and me. That he comes to dwell in us. He is the joy of Christmas. Not the other gifts. Not the nostalgic beauty of trees and lights. Jesus himself. And he deigns to come and live in us. What great humility. 
Let me close with this illustration. A real scene in the Carnegie Music Hall in New York City. The great pianist Paderewski. He's on the platform. His piano. And a mother has taken her little boy who she wants to inspire to become a great pianist to hear the great Paderewski. And so there's a crowded audience. He does the first half of his concert, exits from the platform. People take their break, their intermission. That little boy disappeared from his mother's grasp And everybody's sort of making their way out, whether to the bathroom or to get a drink of something. And as she's walking out, no sun around her, she suddenly hears, coming from the platform, chopsticks played on the piano. And she knew where her son was. He was on the platform, and she was horrified. And she starts pushing through the crowd to get to the platform and get him out of there, when suddenly she hears chopsticks absolutely transformed. Like it's unbelievable. And she turns around and looks at the platform. And what do you think she saw? Paderewski had stepped back out onto the platform, come around her son, and was playing with him. And she transformed his little two-finger exercise. He transformed that two-little-finger exercise into something magnificent. As he played chords with it, which he'd never heard played with such simple notes. That's what happens when you invite Jesus into your life. He takes your little two-finger exercise, the very modest gifts that you give to him, the brokenness of your life, the muddles and messes of the past, all the apprehension you may have about the future. He comes, fills fills you with himself, and changes your very modest finger-picking exercise into a concerto. The great humility of the great master who wants to come and dwell in us. Will you celebrate that gift of his humility this very Christmas? Let him come and fill your life with himself. Bow your heads with me, will you please? Living Lord Jesus. Living Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. There is room in my heart for you. 
with all that might be there to crowd you out. As if with two arms I sweep it all aside. And with those same two arms welcome you in. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Clean out the filth. Lift the guilt. Fill me with yourself. Take possession of me. Come and indwell me. Make my modest little house your mansion and home. Fill every dark corner with the light of your presence. Drive out every modicum of misery and fill me with your joy. Drive out all the apprehension and doubt about the future and fill me with the hope of your glory. And a vision for my life. Because you now possess me. Erase all the lies of Satan. From all the failures of the past. And fill me with all your promises of hope. With the future that lies ahead. Joy to the world. You the Lord is come. And I give myself to you, that you might be that gift to me, and I, now, your humble servant. Take all the pride and glamour of my life. I lay it at your feet, and fill me with all the nobility and joy of your presence. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for a merry, merry Christmas because of you.